Star Wars 7x7 episode 2365. All right, now that we've had a few days to sit back and process and rewatch, as the case may be, it's time for a final review of season two of The Mandalorian. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So, with the incredible, incredible anticipation and expectation that Season 1 of The Mandalorian had and delivered for, you know, fantastic and wonderful, Season 2 created a different kind of situation, right? Because it didn't necessarily have to live up to an expectation for something that didn't exist, right? I mean, we already knew that it was a good story, a good series, compelling characters, and the execution by Filoni and Favreau and the crew of folks that they had working with them did well. So we didn't have to labor under the hope and fear that they would be able to start something well, right? It was established. The different kind of fear that we may have gone into the beginning of season two with is, would there be a sophomore slump? Would they be able to recreate the magic? Better still, would they be able to expand the scope, expand the scale, do more with the season than they did with the first season and do it successfully? For me, at least, that feels like a different challenge, but potentially a less stressful one comparatively, because on the one hand, you're building everything up from scratch, and that takes a lot. And if it doesn't work, then you're nowhere. But when you have the successful elements in place, then you can build from there, and you know you have the foundation with which you can work. And that provides a bit of a comfort level, comparatively speaking. So, season two of The Mandalorian, I would say, is overall a smashing success. That certainly seems to be not just my reaction, it's the reaction all over the fandom. And I want to say right off that, you know, I have talked about the idea of a filler episode or an adventure of the week or that sort of idea and about how... You know, I do tend to like the more mythology-style episodes, the ones that build more of the story. I have to say I'm going to retire that <laughs> whole conversation, I hope. I'm saying this now, and I hope that I don't end up bringing it back when Season 3 rolls around, but I feel like it is worth retiring that conversation because I feel like Season 2 of The Mandalorian struck the perfect balance with its episodes of having Adventure of the Week episodes, but also they were episodes that advanced the overall story arc. I mean, maybe you could make a case for The Passenger, that would be Chapter 10 or Episode 2 from Season 2, the one where he officially meets Frog Lady. <laughs> I wish she had gotten an actual name other than Frog Lady. And they end up crash landing on the same planet where the Mandalorian picked up his Mithral bounty at the very beginning of the season. Yeah, maybe that one didn't necessarily advance things, but that's okay. It also managed to make connections to the Gunslinger episode and the Prisoner episode from season one. And I, I even have a feeling that this whole Rangers of the New Republic situation, I think it is going to involve X-Wing pilots. I don't know for sure. I'm just saying that because the Marshals are 
seemingly planet-based law enforcement officers, like Cara Dune is a marshal on Navarro, so who are the rangers of the New Republic? That seems more like what the X-Wing pilots might be doing, because they are scouting off into the deep distances of the Outer Rim, just like rangers within Lord of the Rings are scouting off into deep areas of territories within Middle-earth. And if you consider that idea in light of the fact that we were either introduced or reintroduced, as the case may be, to Ahsoka Tano in this season, and she's getting her own series, and we were also introduced or reintroduced, as the case may be, to Boba Fett, and he's getting his own series, yeah, it makes sense for us to be reintroduced to our friendly X-Wing pilots and that that may tie in to something. And the only other thing left at this point is Rangers of the New Republic. Cycling back, though, to the comparison between Season 1 and Season 2, you know, Season 1 had a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of world building and character introductions and that sort of thing, but... Season 1 was not necessarily as focused as Season 2 has been. Season 1 was about Din Djarin making the decision to break the guild code and rescue the child, and then trying to avoid the ramifications of that decision, and ultimately facing the ramifications of that decision. So he had the first three episodes of you know, getting the child and delivering the child and then deciding to rescue the child. Episodes four, five, and six are basically him on the run trying to, you know, keep his head down as a result of the decision, but it's not really about what he's going to do next in, you know, specific connection to resolving the issue. And it's not until you get to episodes seven and eight where he actually takes action to resolve the crisis. When you look at season two, by comparison, every action that the Mandalorian is doing, that Din Djarin is doing in these episodes, is linked to him ultimately trying to complete his quest. The armor has set him on a path to deliver Grogu to his kind, whether that be others of Grogu's species or other Jedi, you know, that remains to be seen. But his mission is clear, and every step that he takes is about that mission. Even though he is waylaid and it becomes the quid pro quo season of The Mandalorian, where every time he <laughs> arrives somewhere and says, I need to do this, and that person says, okay, but first I need you to do this, and then I'll help you. But even that kind of makes sense, because once The Mandalorian cuts himself off from the Bounty Hunters Guild, his method of supporting himself disappears as well. And so, you know, we haven't raised any thorny questions about what kind of savings has he banked and what is he living on? Because even the jobs that Grief Karga was offering him at the beginning of season one would barely pay for fuel. So, yeah, that becomes <laughs> another side conversation about, you know, what's really happening with these nitty gritty details. And so, yeah, let's just leave that behind. It makes sense that it ends up being a barter situation, a trade and negotiation situation for him to be able to get the information or the access or the equipment that he needs in order to continue his pursuit of delivering the child to where the child needs to be delivered to, or to whom. And so to that point, season one started off with 
possibly the biggest gambit that you could have had, which is the introduction of a new member of Yoda's species, right? Like, the stakes don't get any higher for introducing a character as they did with the child. And so, if you're going to have something happen with Season 2, how do you raise the stakes on something like that? How do you make it more shocking, amazing, fantastic? How do you push that to the next level? You kind of had the idea that maybe Boba Fett was going to be it because they brought him back so decisively, so powerfully, and so compellingly. But they kept that one final card up their sleeve, and that, of course, was the return of Luke Skywalker. And this is a Luke Skywalker in the prime of his Jedi life. Remember, we're only about five or six years after the events of Return of the Jedi, so he has had time to explore the galaxy, he has time to deepen his studies with the Force. He is in the prime of his Jedi career, and Dave Filoni and John Favreau and director Peyton Reed of the episode really let him show off all of the incredible things that he's learned over these past five years. He really puts in the work. And it was truly thrilling. It was amazing. And I also, if I'm going to be completely honest, had a challenge or two over the creative decision that it was really hard to let go of. And... I, I brought my concerns into the patron channel and discussed it and asked for feedback from patrons of Star Wars 7x7, and I gotta say that that was one of the best things I could possibly have done. The feedback from patrons was so incredible and so wonderful, and yeah, I haven't had a chance to fully engage the conversations that they continued, and I you know, have only holiday preparations to blame for that, but I'm so grateful for patron feedback and for just being able to have a space where people who love Star Wars and who love Star Wars 7x7 have been able to share their thoughts and their feelings about the finale and about The Mandalorian and about Luke Skywalker. And some patrons also sent me private messages as well. Like, it's just, it's been so beautiful to have those conversations or at least get them started. And to all the patrons listening, I'm so grateful once again. And my not responding back to the feedback you've shared is just a matter of life and time. I'm so grateful for the life and time that you took out to get those responses into me. And I will respond to you just as soon as I possibly can. And I also want to say thank you to my wife, Brainstormer Lonnie, who had some incredible perspective and allowed me to <laughs> vent as much as I needed to about the situation and help me see things in a different light. And I will actually be talking a little bit more about that in an episode very soon. Suffice it to say that Thinking back to season one, Baby Yoda was an amazing and surprising and high stakes creative decision. In season two, bringing back Luke Skywalker was an amazing and creative and high stakes decision. And so kudos to the creators and creatives involved with the production of The Mandalorian for managing to top it again. And I don't know how they're going to be able to top that for season three, but you know what? I don't have to worry about that for the better part of a year, and so I'm not gonna. 
Instead, I think I'm just going to bask in the glory of season two of The Mandalorian and look forward to my next re-watching of it. And I might even be going back to the beginning because I think I might have convinced my wife that she might be interested in this thing after all. So we'll see how that goes. But for now... That is going to do it for the final review of Season 2 of The Mandalorian. And ultimately, even more satisfying creative exercise than the first season was, in my opinion. They built on the success of the first season, were incredibly consistent with their pursuit of follow-through and build-on of the story arcs, and also what an incredible job in weaving in stories that are going to allow us to jump into all of these other spin-off series in the next couple of years. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining the show and joining me for it as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.